morning. How's everybody doing? Let me tell you, that last song is my oldest son's favorite song, and it is so powerful. And it was so neat just to be backstage and hear you guys singing. I could hear your guys' voices over the band's voice, and it was just such a powerful moment. So thank you for that. And as we transition now into a sermon, we're going to finish up our series on the process. And this has been a four-week series that we have went through, and today we're going to be finishing that up. And we, this process that we've talked about is this idea of transformation, that as followers of Jesus, that we go through a process of transformation. In the first week, we talked about how we need to pay attention to our roots, our root system. Now, the root system that we would pay attention to is this idea of um, how we describe that here is through the discipleship pathway. So, again, the reason we talk about what's underneath the surface is that, in reality, whatever is underneath the surface is eventually going to come out. And so we need to make sure that we are paying specific attention to that. The way that we do that here at Calvary is through our discipleship pathway. And so that's paying attention to what we're learning, so what we take in our minds, paying attention to the way that we train, so how we live, how we put what we have in our head and move it to our heart through the way that we live, and then making sure that we are living in the context of community, that we're not living life on our own, but that we are doing life with others so that they can speak into some of those things that may be underneath the surface. So that was week one. Week two, we talked about the role of the Holy Spirit in this process and how with the Holy Spirit in that particular way, there is only things that the Holy Spirit can do that will bring transformational change. There are some things that we can do. We have a part to play. We need to be participating in something, but we also need to sub submit our lives and our will to God. And when we do that, the Spirit comes in and does a work that we can't do just on our own. As we used Daniel up here, had, had a, he had the, um, the soil and talked about planting seeds. And, he, and what he talked about with the role of the Holy Spirit is that there's things. We need to plant the seed. We need to till the ground. But God is what does the growing. And then last week, we talked about paying attention to the fruits or to the branches. And particularly how that plays itself out is through our follower statements. Where followers follow Jesus. Followers give sacrificially. Followers serve God and others. And then finally, followers share what they know. And that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time paying attention to. And through that, understanding that one thing Daniel challenged us on last week was doing a 12 to 15 word challenge to figure out what our specific calling is. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But that's kind of a recap of what, where we've been. And so now that we've talked about the process and the different areas in which we participate in those, I want to talk about what's next. Because this idea of the process, it's not just for our own well-being. It's not just for us and for our betterment, but it's for the betterment of others, for the glory of God as we live in his kingdom. It's not just for us to get everything right so that we can be fixed and transformed. It's so that we can be who God has created us to be in order to share that hope with others around us. So that's where we're going. That is enough set up for this week. Let's jump into God's word and see what he has to say about some things. So Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 is where we're going to start today. And we're going to kind of jump around a little bit, but that's where we're going to start is Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16. It says this, 
You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lamp stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So Matthew chapter 5 through 7. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if you're not familiar with that, that is Jesus' main teaching on what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And so for us, we need to pay attention to these things. As we fill our minds with God's teachings, we need to pay attention to what Jesus' main teaching was, which was here. And in part of that, what he's saying is that we are to be the light of the world. That's where we get that song, This Little Light of Mine. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Are we all familiar with that? This is where we get that from. And the idea that we are to be like a city on a hill, that we are to allow God's light to shine through us, to bring light to the world around us. That when we are going through this process, it's not just for our well-being, but for others. So, we're talking about sharing what we know. So what, what exactly does that mean? Simply put, sharing what, you're no, sharing what you know is being able to share with those around you the difference that Jesus has made in your life. What is the difference that Jesus has made in your life? And that's going to look different for all of us, right? We all don't have the same story. Maybe for you, he freed you from an addiction that held on so tight to you. And that through him and through the work of his spirit in your life, you were able to give up that addiction. Maybe for you it saved your marriage. That before coming to know Jesus, you really struggled with forgiveness. But when you started to follow Jesus and you were able to understand and feel the forgiveness that he gives us, then you were finally able to extend that same forgiveness to your spouse. And because of that, your marriage was saved. Maybe for you, it finally gave you a purpose to life. That before this, you were just wandering around aimlessly, not really understanding, trying a lot of different careers, exploring a lot of different things because you didn't have a purpose. But once you came into a relationship with Jesus, he gave you a purpose and a calling, and now you feel like you are doing exactly what he has designed you to do. These are all ways of how Jesus can make a difference in our life. Some are a little bit more dramatic than others. But there's one common truth that's a thread through all of it. All of us are broken people. All of us had a debt that we needed to pay because of the sin in our life that we could not pay on our own. And Jesus came to pay that debt. If that's not something that you have experienced, if that's not something where you've given your life over to Jesus and allowed him to forgive you, I encourage you, have a conversation with somebody. Because that's the, that's the key for all of us. No matter how dramatic, no matter how simple, all of us were in need of a Savior, and Christ was able to come and pay that debt. So simply put, even if it's not the most dramatic story in the world, for you to be able to share that, yeah, I was a sinful person, and I was ex able to experience freedom because Jesus came and paid a debt that I couldn't pay, and the freedom that I feel now that I don't have to walk around with that shame and guilt anymore is exactly what you need to be able to articulate in order to share what you know. For some of us, that comes easy. For others of us, it's a little bit more difficult. And today I'd like to talk about two ways 
in which we can share what we know. Two ways in which we can share what we know, directly and indirectly. I'd like to start with the indirectly. How do we share our faith indirectly? Now, for some of you who've been around here for a while, I'm sorry to use this example at nauseum, but it's the easiest one for me to go to do, so just go with me for a little bit, all right? So I like to run, and running has made a big difference in my life. And so because I enjoy to run, um, and one of the things that has helped me with that is I wear a running watch. Um, one, I'm a little bit competitive with my son, so I like to keep track of my steps throughout the day to make sure that I am beating them in the amount of steps that we have. Um, but I wear a running watch all the time, and it's a Garmin. And if you're a real runner, you wear a Garmin, not an Apple Watch. Let's just solve, let's just end that debate right now. If you're a real runner, you have a Garmin. Um, we can have discussion after service if we need to. But with that, a lot of times this turns into a conversation starter. It turns into a conversation starter. There'll be someplace and someone will notice the watch that I'm wearing. Oh, you like to run. And this opens up a door for me to say, yeah, I do, and I love it. And it has helped me so much. It is a great stress relief for me. When I feel all tied up in knots for me to go out for a run, it just helps me to clear my head. That it's been a great thing for me with my health, that it allows me to eat whatever I want for the most part, and it's fine because I ran enough to, to go do that, right? So there have been a lot of benefits that running has brought in my life. And when someone makes a comment about the watch that I'm wearing, it allows me to share that with them where I'm not just going to walk up to someone and say, hey, let me tell you about the run that I had this morning. It creates space for a conversation. So what does that look like for us to do that indirectly with our faith? Because again, for some of us, this can be difficult. So we've tried to come alongside and help you a little bit that here at Calvary. So we have these decals that are free. You can grab them, they're on the front door, they're really nice. You can put them on a coffee mug, you can put them on your car, um, you can put them anywhere that you want to put them. There's directions, there's a little video to show you how to do it. But not only do we have decals, but we also have hats and water bottles and coffee mugs and sweatshirts and t-shirts. And why do we do this? Why do we offer that? Well, part of it is it's nice to know if you're out in the community to see someone else wearing a shirt to realize, hey, we go to the same church together. Because we've got two services and you may come to the 1020, they go to the 9 o'clock and you never actually pass each other. So it's nice to know that we have a church community, a church family. But also it allows space to have a conversation. It creates a conversation. Maybe someone will ask, man, what do those CCs mean? Maybe if you're driving and you're not the nicest driver in the world, don't put it on your car. That's not a conversation you want to have. <laughs> but it creates space for a conversation to open up a window, say, yeah, I'm a part of this church. It's called Calvary. The reason I'm a part of it is Jesus has made this monumental difference in my life. And so for me to be, at a, be a place every week where I can serve, where I can get some teaching, where I can use the gifts and talents God has given me, that's why I'm a part of the church. And that's the difference that Jesus has made in my life. Maybe for you it's having a Bible that's strategically placed on your desk. Maybe it's getting to the office or to the classroom a little bit early to spend time in prayer for the meetings or the, or the teachings that's going to happen that day. Whatever it is, how God wants us to be able to share our stories, even if it's in an indirect way. And we see this in Jesus' life as well. In Mark chapter 7, 31 through 36, we read this. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went to, by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking, and he begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. He looked up to heaven and sighed deeply and said, Apatha, 
which means be opened. And immediately his ears were opened and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered to tell for them, the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. And if you read through the New Testament and the Gospels, there's a lot of times that Jesus says, hey, he does this miracle and says, hey, don't tell anybody. Because for him, it was all about timing. He knew the more that he started to do some of these miracles, the more fanfare he was going to get. And part of that he did not want to have yet. The timing wasn't quite right. So he would say, hey, don't tell anybody yet. But the truth is this. When Jesus comes in and makes a difference in our life, it should be something that we want to talk about. It is something we should share. And even in Jesus' life, as he would go around and do these miracles, just the life that he lived made a difference and caused people to ask questions. So for us, what is that difference that Jesus has made in our life that we just can't be quiet about? And there are some ways that indirectly we might be able to create space for a conversation where we can talk about the hope that we find in Jesus. All right, secondly, let's talk about directly. How do we directly share our faith? Now, when I say, say this, now your, your palms start to get a little bit sweaty, right? Because you know what? I don't like to share some things because what if I don't have all the answers? What if, I, what if I say something that's not right? What if they have a question that I can't answer? So it's just easier not to, or simply, I'm, I'm kind of introverted. I don't like to talk to people in general, let alone talk to people about some difficult topics. These are all valid reasons. But at times, we turn those valid reasons into excuses. We turn those valid reasons into excuses. Now, there are some people who are gifted in this area. If you did the 12 to 15 word challenge, maybe you realize that, hey, I actually have a gift that it's really easy for me to get into spiritual conversations. And we've been around those people, whether it's in the airport, whether you're at a restaurant, you're having dinner with them, and all of a sudden they're talking to the waiter or the waitress, and, they're all, and they're, they start to share some things, and before you know it, your waiter is pouring their heart out about everything that's going on in their life. And you're like, how did you do that? There are some people who are gifted in this, and we are so thankful for you. I would encourage you, continue to use that gift, showing love, tenderness, and mercy as you have these conversations with people. But for the rest of us, which I fall into that category, it's not as easy for me to just jump into a spiritual conversation with somebody. But it doesn't give me the excuse not to do it. It doesn't give me the excuse not to do it. We talked last week about our general purpose as followers of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So this is the great commission that Jesus gives us. Last thing he says before he leaves earth he says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is our general purpose. All of us, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, are commissioned and called to share what we know in order to make disciples of all nations. But I think what's really important is we pay attention to that last little part of verse 20, where he says, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. It's not something that we have to do on our own. This is the role of the Holy Spirit 
in our lives. If we have accepted Christ as Savior, submitted our life and our will to him, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of the teachings of Jesus. Jesus tells the disciples this in John chapter 14, verse 26. Again, he's getting ready to go to the cross, and so he's preparing his disciples for what's going to happen and what it's going to look like and how the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he gives them a little description of what the role of the Holy Spirit is. And in verse 26, we read this. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. He reminds us of Jesus' teachings. He reminds us of the power of Jesus. He's able to give us answers that maybe we don't have in those times when he's opened a door. And I honestly think this is something that we're probably more familiar with than what we want to admit. So go with me here for a second. So we've gotten a lot of snow over the last couple weeks, right? Who's having fun with the snow? Not me. I'm so glad it's almost March. What happens when the snow comes out is if you live in a neighborhood, finally, after all of the hi hibernating, people start coming out of their house. Because why? They need to shovel their driveway, right? And so you need to shovel your driveway. So all, all of a sudden, you're getting to see your neighbors, right? And you're out shoveling yours. Your neighbor's got the snowblower. You're a little bit jealous that he's got the snowblower, and you're breaking your back. But before you get to it, and hear me say, if you live in a neighborhood, you are also supposed to shovel your sidewalks. PSA announcement here, shovel your sidewalks, everybody. There are some of us who like to run, and so to run on the sidewalk is nice. So shovel your sidewalk. So as you're doing what you're supposed to do in shoveling your sidewalk, you meet your neighbor. And it's kind of that awkward moment, like, hey, did I go far enough? Did I do my half? Did I go over it too much? Did I do it the way you wanted me to? But you, you interact with your neighbor, right? And so you start chatting. How's life been? What's been happening? I haven't seen you for a couple months. You staying warm. How's work going? And then all of a sudden, they open up a little bit. And they say, yeah, it's actually been a really tough season. I lost my mom a couple months ago. And it's just been really hard for me to, to get past that. And so it's been difficult. Or, hey, I've actually been working from home a lot, and I am an extroverted person who doesn't work well in a home office, and so it's been a challenging season. And all of a sudden, you move past the weather. You move past whatever's going on that's important to you that's very surface level, and here's a door that's been opened for you to go a little bit deeper, to be a little bit more vulnerable, to have a conversation of, okay, what's the difference that Jesus has made in my life, and, or maybe even identifying with them, yeah, I've been there before. I've went through a, tar a, a dark season, and this is how I got through it. Have we all been there in some way, shape, or form before? And how did you respond? Did you step through that door that the Spirit opened, or did you chicken out and say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, I hear my wife calling. I got to go in and have some hot chocolate. If I'm honest with you, I've played that second card before. Where that feeling in my gut, well, okay, God, you've opened a door here. I need to walk through it, but I'm getting a little bit nervous. I don't know. Okay, um, maybe there'll be another one. And so I leave. And probably in some way, shape, or form, we have all been in that position, whether it's shoveling snow, around the coffee pot at work, having a conversation with a friend during a practice. We've all been there. And these are doors that God's opened for us to share our faith directly. And are we faithful to walk through it? Now, thankfully, we have a Father who loves us. We have a Father who is very forgiving and will open another door. But I think if we were to slow down enough, we would recognize these small little windows that open for us to share 
what we know. And when I, when, I, when I imagine, especially these direct conversations, and even the indirect ones, these are not conversations that happen in one moment. And you've got to get it all right in one moment or you miss out. No, hopefully these are conversations that happen over a period of time. That you're in some of the same places enough that you can start to share the difference that Jesus has made. And it's not awkward because there's already a basis of a relationship there. And so then maybe they do have a question that you can't answer in the moment. But it takes the pressure away because you know what? You're going to be back right there tomorrow and you can go home and start to look up some of those answers. You can ask God to give you some of those answers. It takes the pressure off of us. But it is a responsibility. It is a calling that we have on our life. So I've talked a lot today about what we're supposed to do, what we're called to do, what's our purpose all of these things are great. We've talked about the what, but I want to finish today talking about the why. Why do we do it? Why do we go through this process? Because if we're honest with ourselves, if we're going to submit our lives to God, if we're going to go through this process of transformation, it's going to be uncomfortable. There are probably going to be times where we are going to have to not do what our flesh wants to do in order to do what God has called us to do. More than likely, you're going to go through a difficult situation because if we're honest with ourselves, we don't ever change when things are good. We change when things get difficult. And so if we're going to submit ourselves to this process, what's the why behind the inconvenience, the struggle, the pain, the frustration? Why do we do it? And the answer is because we have a heavenly father who loves us so much and has designed us and created us for a purpose. And when we start to live into that purpose, out of that love that we have of the Father, there is a joy, there is life, there is hope that is found. That when we don't submit to ourselves, we can, we can get through, but we don't thrive. But as we start to submit ourselves to this process and are okay through the different things that God is going to bring us through, we get to be who he has created us to be. And it's not out of a sense of duty. It's not out of a sense of this is what I'm supposed to do. It comes from the basis of I have a father who loves me so much. And because of that, this is how I'm going to respond to him. Now hear me say, I know when I say things like that, that can be difficult to hear. Because there's a lot of us who struggle. When I even say the word father, that can be a difficult word to hear for some of us. So when I say the word father, think of someone who has the best intentions for you. This is someone who has the best intentions for you. And Jesus gave us an example of that in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. I'm going to give a summary here for us, but this is the story of the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard this story before in the past. Um, the idea of this story is this. There's two sons. One son who decides, you know what, Dad, I don't want to wait for you to die, so I want my inheritance now. And so he says that, which in that culture would have been a huge slap in the face. Says, hey, I want to live my own life. I want my money now. Give it to me now. So the father says, okay, son, I love you. Here you go. Here's your, here's your half of the inheritance. He takes that inheritance, and he goes, and he has some fun. He parties. He lives it up. He does his thing, which ends up with him living and eating in a pig pen. And as he's eating with the pigs, he realizes, you know what? Life would be so much better even if I was just a servant in my father's house. 
So I'm going to do that. I'm going to go be a servant in my father's house, at least humble myself enough to say, hey, Dad, can I just work for you? Because that's going to be better than my current situation. So he starts to walk back to his father. And as he's there, I always picture, you know, father sitting on a front porch in the rocking chair, and all of a sudden he sees some movement over there in the distance, and he stands up and he looks. And his first thought is not, man, we're going to have to have a conversation. I'm going to have to tell you I told you so. I told you not to do that. You went your own way. Look what happened. No, that's not his response. His response is that he runs after that son, puts his ring on him, throws a robe around him, puts some new sandals on his feet, tells the other servants, go kill the fat and pass, kill the fat, fattened calf. We're going to have a party. We are going to celebrate that my son is finally home. And remember, I said there's two sons. So you got the other son over here who's indignant. He's got his arms crossed. Well, I've been here the whole time. I've never had a party like this thrown for me. This is not okay. And the father says, you've been with me the entire time. But your, son has fi- your brother has finally come home. We've got we to gotta celebrate. And when we hear that story, we've probably heard that in some way, shape, or form over our lives. And when we hear that story, we, we usually identify with one of those two sons, right? Because, again, for the most part, we're usually pretty self-centered, and so we identify with this. And I think that's what Jesus wanted us to do in some way. Because there are times where we have been that prodigal son, where we've made decisions, where we've done things that has not been right, that has not been God's best for us, and so we identify this coming home after realizing the errors of our ways. But for all of us, we've probably been that indignant son that said, hey, I've done it right, you've done it wrong, I should get what I deserve. We've probably been both. I think Drew Phillips' opinion that this story is more about the father's love. The story is more about the father, not about the sons. Because what is consistent in this story is the love that the father has for his sons, the one who is there and the one who wanted to leave. And if the one that had stayed had realized his father loved him so much, it would have changed the way that he acted. It would have changed the way that he viewed his life. So for us, as we go through this process, we need to pay attention to and realize we do it out of a father who loves us. Now, men, let me talk to you for a second. A lot of times, somebody will get up on a stage here and talk about intimacy with the father, talk about how the father loves you, how he just wants to come and put you on his lap and be your Abba and wrap his arms around you. And we think, that is not how I think about other men. So let's just call that for what it is, right? Those, that can be difficult words at times. So let's, let's paint it this way. You have a father, someone who has your best intentions in mind, who is proud of you just the way that you are. That you don't have to earn his love. That you don't have to earn his approval. That you don't have to live up to a certain standard that he has set for you. Men, these are things that we measure ourselves by. So how do we come from a place where we're not measuring ourselves by how we act to earn someone else's love, but we are able to do it because he loves us so much now that we don't have to worry about measuring up? That is the love of the Father. And that is what motivates us to share what we know. That is what motivates us to go through this process of transformation. Now, you might be wondering what this 
cup and basin and waters for. And if you know me, you know that I am mostly a glass half empty type person. So I'm going to fill this cup up, and for me, that's a glass half empty. Now there are some people, Matt Glenn, thank you very much, that are glass half full people. That when you see that, that's a glass half full, that, that life is good, that things are going well, that things are on the up and up, right? But whether you are a glass half empty or whether you are a glass half full type person, this glass is halfway to the top. And as we go through this process, we allow God to fill our cup. So we're paying attention to our roots. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work in our lives. We're in community with others. We're, we know our purpose, our general and specific purpose. We're paying attention to that. And you know what? We are doing great, and we are doing better than we ever have. But do we just stop now that the cup is full? Do we say, okay, I'm good. I know my purpose. I know what I'm supposed to do. I've got my people. I'm just going to stop. God, I'm good. No, we continue to allow God to fill us so that it starts to overflow. And as God fills us, the things that are in our lives not only affect our betterment, not only fill our cup, but start to affect those who are around us, those who we interact with on a daily basis. So the, our motivation for filling ourselves up with God, for going through the process, is to fill our cup, is to be who God has created us to be, but not just for who God has created us to be, but so that he can affect those who are around us. So we can have an influence on them, can tell them the, the, the greatness of what God has done in our life, and to give him the glory, not for us. We're not doing so well and it's so great on us, but no, we do this and we point all of the glory back to the Father. Because we know what our purpose is, we know what our calling is, and the more that we go through this process, the easier it is to allow us to live out of the overflow of what God has done and is doing in our life. Because the reality is this, we are never done going through the process. In this life, we will never arrive. There will always be some blind spots, there will always be some things that we need to pay attention to, we are never done going through the process. We are never done being used for God's purpose and for God's glory. We are always designed to be an overflow of God's love to the world around us. So that brings us to our daily training. So this is for us. What's something that we want you to practice daily as a reminder? It's a little bit different this week. So when you get up, I don't know what your morning routine is. Maybe you go to the sink in your bathroom, maybe for you, you go down, you grab a cup of coffee. Before you do anything else this week, I want you to grab a cup. I want you to go over to the sink. I want you to turn on the water. I want you to stick that cup underneath the faucet and let it run until the water runs over the cup and down your hand. And I want that to serve for all of us as a reminder of what our day is supposed to look like that day. That whether it's from an indirect conversation or a direct conversation that God wants to use us, wants to use you, wants to use me, and what's going on in our life as an overflow to those around us. So every day this week, and I know there are some of you who can serve water, you don't have to go crazy with it. If you have a well, go as long as you want to, I don't care. <laughs> but have it serve as a reminder that as we go through this process, it's just not for our benefit 
so we can benefit those around us and those that we come in contact with and that our lives are not just about ourselves. But how does God want to use you in the specific place that he's put you and that he's put me? Let's pray. Father, we love you. I'm so thankful that you are okay with us going through a process, that we don't have to have it all figured out, that we don't have to have it all together, Lord, but that at the end of our life, we will finally come to completion. But until we get there, you are so patient with us, Lord. And so I pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the different ways that you are wanting to use us in the lives of the people that we find ourselves around on a regular basis. And Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy when we mess that up. When we ignore that open door that we can walk through. When we're maybe a little bit nervous to talk about something that's a little bit more vulnerable than what we're used to. We thank you that you're patient with us, Lord, but we don't want to just make excuses. We want to live into the calling that you've called us to. We want to be the men and women that you have designed us to. We want to flourish, and we want those that are around us, those who we influence, those who we affect, to flourish as well. So, Father, help us to be faithful to that call. And, Father, help us to experience your love in new ways. so that we can grow and transform in who you have created us to be. We love you. It's in your name we pray.